Hi everyone, I'm Summer. I'm Carrie. And this is Hopoxia Podcast. Join us to talk about sex, drugs, and self-improvement. Hi everyone, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> and um, this episode, so we're about to start something a little bit different. Um, I don't know how different it is to anybody who's been following our um, TikTok uh, <laughs> account though. Um, and we're going to have a series about psychopathy and, and trying to understand it. Um, so we're going to ask all of you who stick with us through everything to please just bear with us. I know we generally only make a series, you know, two, maybe three episodes. And this one, once we started outlining it, has ballooned into yeah. a... Um, <laughs> Yeah, ginormous uh, undertaking, but we promise it'll be very educational and we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think it was important that everybody understand this. Um, so let's see, I'm sorry I'm having to read because it was a very long title that we came up That's with. Okay. Um, <laughs> Decoding Psychopathy and Conduct Disorder, an exploration of the most important neurodevelopmental disorder you've never heard of. And, That's a mouthful, um, but <laughs> right. <laughs> and we will have a special guest throughout the series, and um, we will let her introduce herself. Yes. Yeah, so let's start with uh, you introducing yourself because you can do that much better than we can. You know yourself much better than we do. <laughs> and how how you came to your um, expertise in this area of psychopathy. Okay, well, it's a super fun story. And by fun, I mean, not at all fun. Um, so I had a child. And I, you know, I came into this whole like parenting business with the absolute certainty that everything we've been told about how violence propagates and continues the cycle was absolutely 100% true. Like I was so firm that only people who have been abused go on to do that. Um, and so for the, for the younger audiences or audience, there was a, a thing that happened in Vietnam where a bunch of students like went over and they were, some of them were pro-war, some of them were anti-war. They were the doves and the hawks. So the doves thought war shouldn't be, you know, fought. And then the hawks were like, rah, rah, guns, kill. And uh, when they came back, they had actually switched sides seeing, you know, seeing that whole battlefield and everything. And I feel very much like that's what happened to me, right? I was so, so certain that it was 100% nurture. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do with my son. Um, he started, he started hurting me when he was eight months old he um I was breastfeeding him and he, he would bite me and he just thought it was the funniest damn thing he would you know I'd yelp and he'd jump or whatever and he would just laugh and laugh and laugh and I you know pulled up my La Leche book La Leche League book this was back unless it was back before the internet because the internet was sort of around but not the sort of internet that we're used to now so I pulled up my La Leche League book and it says, well, if he, you know, if they bite you, just put them down for 20 minutes and then come back. So I did. And I, you know, he'd bite me. I put him down for 20 minutes. They also said, you know, make sad faces so he knows you're sad. Um, like draw little tears down your, you know, cheeks to make sure that they know what they're doing is hurting you. And 
I did all of those things and every 20 minutes he would bite me and every 20 minutes I would put him down and then, you know, sort of rinse, repeat. And then after 72 hours had gone by and I hadn't slept uh, and he hadn't eaten, I had to switch to formula because there was just, I mean, it was literally more important to my child to bite me and laugh than it was for him to eat, which is a really pretty, you know, it's a pretty heavy thing to sit with and you know, I wish that at that time, right, when somebody, because I did, I mentioned it to the pediatrician and, you know, of course, no, 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 he's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but I really, really, I really wish somebody in my community had seen the signs of that stuff. Um, because he could have gotten help a lot earlier. Um, instead, what happened was this sort of, you know, continual getting kicked out of every single educational setting he got put in. He was violent. He stole things. He lied. I mean, the whole nine yards. And he, oh man, I, I can't even remember how many schools he's gone to, but he just kept getting kicked. One day, one time he actually, believe it or not, he got kicked out of five summer camps in one week. And they only operate Monday through Friday, right? So he got kicked That's out intense. of a summer That's... camp every single day of the week. That's almost um, impressive. <laughs> yeah. In a way, yeah. I mean, way to commit to that, I guess. <laughs> it would be impressive um, if it wasn't also finally, scary. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Overachiever. I mean, Overachiever that one. Yeah. Absolutely. Just a little bit. Yeah, I actually, um, for some reason, this popped into my brain just now. Um, but when my son was in first grade, uh, one of his teachers who just did not many, one of many teachers who just did not like him, that was sort of, you know, uh, uh, a relatively, um, static through line for most of his schooling. But, um, that particular teacher said to me, she was talking about, you know, how awful my son was. And she said, it's my job to break him before he starts torturing animals. Which I think is wow. really, yeah. Yeah. And so That's I think there, you know, there are a number of really interesting pieces of the puzzle in there. The first is that she actually saw what was wrong. Um, yeah. The second is that my child did not come with the animal cruelty expansion pack. So that was an incredibly confusing thing for me because like he loved animals. He was always kind to animals. I mean, not so much to everybody else, but you know, he was great with animals, but, you know, nobody, I think, except for that particular teacher saw anything he did clearly. Um, and then finally at about oh gosh, what was sixth grade, um, and it, here's the interesting thing, by the way. So just because your child has conduct disorder or psychopathy and is sometimes a bully or sometimes hurts other kids doesn't mean that the same thing can't happen to them. Um, and so my son was in uh, middle school and he, it didn't, I mean, it was almost like something out of those, you know, high school, you know, shows where somebody, they grab the kid and dunk his head in the, in the toilet bowl. So that, you know, was part of what was happening to him. And um, after a little while, and after that didn't stop, I ended up, you know, pulling him out to, uh, to homeschool. And when I went to, when I got to the school to pick him up, there was a note on his locker 
a little like a little post-it note and it said no faggots allowed except it was spelled f-a-g-g-e-t-s so uh you know if you're gonna insult somebody please spell it right oh my god um, can't even spell the slurs right Gosh. exactly but you oh, know I, I showed the note to one of his teachers and she just goes oh you don't want to look at that crumples it up and throws it in the garbage oh well there's an effective approach yeah hopefully like, anybody how we we were in san francisco this should not happen right. like this is the one city on the planet where stuff like that shouldn't happen and if it does happen then it gets addressed but she just mm, you don't want that so homeschooling was great uh mainly because i never had to deal with the school it was so wonderful i didn't have to deal with the school calling i didn't have to deal with you know, what he had done to other people this time or how he was disruptive or anything like that. So I had a really good time homeschooling. Then, well, okay, let me, I had a less shitty time homeschooling than I did having him in, in school. I won't necessarily say it was a good time, but it certainly was better than the constant phone calls. Round about um, high school, he wanted to go to school, like he wanted to go back, he wanted to go to high school. That went very poorly, uh, including the the F minus that he got, which I didn't even know was a thing. He got an I F didn't minus know F minus was possible. <laughs> and he's it's crazy because my son's super athletic, right? He's one of those you show him. So we all to, we all used to as a family um, take martial arts together, and my kid was one of those that somebody would go, okay, here I'm going to teach you how to do a spinning kick, and he'd try it and they're like oh, okay just tweak these two things and then he was like it took him two tries and he was great you know that must be nice um, uh, definitely that is not a world i physically understand right <laughs> <laughs> um but his his pe teacher hated him so much that he gave him an f minus in the one subject where my son should have been getting an a plus he was like you know straight f student with one F minus, <laughs> I mean, that kind of should have been the other way around. Um, things after that just sort of escalated. He, I mean, you know, testosterone and puberty or, you know, puberty in general doesn't have to just have to be for boys. Like that's not, that's never a good time for families who have kids like this. It just, it gets, it gets worse as this goes on. Um, then he started running away and hanging out with a bunch of, you know, ne'er-do-wells and uh, he would come home with these like new things right and like where'd you get that he's like oh a friend of mine gave it to me and I'm like, mm, mm -hmm. um, and one day we came home my husband and I and we found those um, you know the sensors they put on stuff um, to like keep it in the store Mm -hmm. so that if you walk through the the door with merchandise or it was like clothing it'll go beep beep mm -hmm. beep anyway we came home and found that in the vice in our garage with all the tools. And yeah, I mean, it just, we, we actually did call the police to say, Hey, look, we're at my kids shop. He's like, nothing we can do about it. Really. Um, he also, during this time, uh, set up what I can really only call a protection racket, which is that he, uh, he and a friend of his, I think approached 
this one child and he was a special needs child and said that, you know, so-and-so wants to kick your ass, but if you give us X amount of money, we'll make sure that you, you know, stay safe. And that of course didn't happen. And um, they actually lured him to a, an empty house that was on the market. Somebody had figured out to get through the, um, the lockbox. It was, you know, being shown by a realtor, but some of the kids at the school figured out how to get through the lockbox and gave the code out and everybody would, you know, just sort of use this, the house for whatever. Um, but they lured this kid in there and um, one of them held, like held his arms behind his back um, while the other one was punching. Um, and in the end, the kid ended up in the emergency room and he very nearly lost an eye because of that he was gonna you know he was almost blind in one eye um and i begged i begged the mother like please go to the authorities i can't like i don't know what to do with this kid he needs to be I mean, you know, treatment obviously would be preferable, but if he's going to go around doing this, he should be locked up. Like he should not just be roaming around, yeah. you know, and the only way that I can get the criminal justice system, get in the criminal justice system is if somebody, uh, you know, does a report. If somebody reports the, what happened file, oh my gosh, files charges, I think was the phrase I was looking for there. Um, because, you know, there's not, Legally, children have a lot of rights um, and aren't allowed to, um, sorry, not, not allowed to, but um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Um, so the mother told me, the mother of the boy that my son and his, his friend lured, told me she just wanted the money back um that that my son had taken and like an idiot um i i cut her a check right then and there um if i had to do it over again i would have said no no i'm not going to give you your money back you want it back you press charges because it doesn't help my son not to be doing stuff like this if we're you know like the criminal justice system is the only and a judge specifically is the only person who can compel treatment, right? Because otherwise teenagers can go, oh, right, that's where I was going with the teenagers, you know, have rights. They can't, you know, I can't force him into therapy. And I'm not necessarily saying that, you know, that's not a good thing and that children or especially teenagers should not be able to decide on their care and be autonomous and all of that stuff, right? But in certain, certain circumstances like this, right we do need a judge because the judges are the only people who can make him go and it not be you know a violation of his rights mm -hmm. um and so kid kid and his uh group of friends went on a multi-county crime spree they hit a bunch of different places they were robbing people at gunpoint um one of the other kids got out and um, I was actually just talking to, to my son about this a couple months ago. And he told me something that I hadn't heard before in this story. And that was that the other two kids that they were with um, 
had actually like egged this this fourth child on and picked the target for him and that's why this this kid you know jumped out of the car and went and attacked a little old lady who you know grabbed her purse um so what are the ages we're, we're talking about in these and these kids really this was when he was 14 um it was actually the day before his 15th birthday that he got arrested nice Happy and birthday. um <laughs> you know like i said recently he was oh i know mm-hmm. yeah so recently he was sharing this information with me and the other so in the car there were these four boys right one was mine two the the two others in the front um were very much like my son meaning that they were go out they were going out and doing these things because they wanted to go out and do these things and it you know was exciting to them um and then the the fourth kid the one that i was just telling you about where they said no no go you know go get that lady's purse um my son told me that that kid never without that group of kids um that you know he wouldn't he wouldn't have done that um so I think that's a really interesting thing to to think about when we're discussing psychopathy um, and all of these things, right? Because there is, you know, it's not all genetic, it's not all environment. Um, and you can have, you know, this, this kid who succumbs to peer pressure, you know, engaging in some of these really, really horrible behaviors. And I think it's like, we want everything to be easy. We want like a black and white answer, right? We want yes, we want no, and that's it, right? We don't want these sort of complex situations. We don't want to take the time to figure out what is what with each child, but, you know, you really, really have to. Um, and so during this time with, with all the, um, you know, the crime and yada, 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 my uh, my son came after me one day when I was in the... Um, in the backyard or in the garden, you know, doing some stuff. And I can't remember why we had taken his scooter away, but we had, um, and it was locked up in the shed and I wore a lanyard around my neck with, um, you know, a set of keys that just would have made any janitor jealous. Um, <laughs> cause we had every single door. So legally we can't lock his room because of course that's a fire hazard. And if there's a fire, he couldn't get out. So we had to put locks on everything else. Um, and so he wanted his skateboard or his scooter or whatever, because he wanted to go meet with his friends. And I'm like, no, I'm like, no, we took it away for a reason. You're going to have to walk if you need, you know, if it's going to take longer. You got to leave earlier. And anyway, he started coming after me to try to get the, the lanyard with the keys. And he said, don't make me hurt you, mom. Don't make me hurt you. And all of a sudden I just, I mean, it, as I'm like trying to get away from him and, you know, trying to sort of calculate, okay, so he's coming at me this way and the door's over there. And if I two-step spin, um, I can get, you know, sort of dance around, like be closer to the door, get get in there and slam it. Um, and so as I'm doing all of these calculations, it was also, it was like a bunch of dominoes just got knocked over. And I was like, oh, don't make me hurt you. I know what this is. Oh my God. Um, and not like, you know, in a happy way, but just like in a, oh, I think I might have a handle on this because we couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and maybe you shouldn't use the word wrong, right? Like that's that's probably not the best way to talk about a person, but just didn't know what condition we were dealing with. So we went to our uh, counselor or you know family therapist, and I said to her, I was like, hey, um, I think my kid is a sociopath, which just FYI was not entirely the correct terminology. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really, it's not that I didn't know the word psychopath at that point. I just didn't know. I thought, and this is a, a, a misnomer for a lot of people. I thought that a sociopath was like psychopath light, like a slightly less or potentially, you know, nonviolent psychopath. And that's not, that's not at all what it is. Um, and just for the, you know, just for the audience, socio, it's like, you know, society, it, it basically the the behaviors come from, from society, that would be a learned type of behavior. And then with psychopathy, it's, you know, more, more innate, more in the body. And so our son's therapist took him, you know, into the other room and did her due diligence and came back out. And she's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He has this thing. Um, but we don't call it, you know, sociopathy in children. We call it conduct disorder. It's like, okay, well, I have a name. And she goes, and I can't do anything to help you because he's refusing treatment, right? I mean, you guys could still keep driving here once a week and I could just, you know, I could I could work with you guys and he just sits there and, you know, refuses to participate. But, you know, he's 14 or 13 or however old he, hold, however old he was at the time. But, and he doesn't have to participate if he doesn't want to. So she just sort of, you know, wished me good luck or wished us good luck and sent us on our merry. And I don't want, like, she did it, like, she did it properly, right? And I think it's not a good thing to waste people's time. And when you know that the child is going to be non-compliant, like, I mean, what can you do? Um, <clears throat> so I had, I did what I always do, right? Which is go, um, go to the internet and search out a support group because support groups are, you know, I've been in ADHD support groups. Um, my son was also misdiagnosed as having Asperger's back when Asperger's was its own thing and not, you know, under the um, autism, autism spectrum. spectrum disorder. You know, and here's, here's a really fun story about that. People who are not in either, you know, not in the United States or um, just not parents and don't sort of deal with this one of the things when kids are trying not the kids aren't trying to get the IEP but one of the things when a parent is trying to get you know an IEP for their children which by the way IEP stands for individualized education plan so one of the things the school has to do is assess the child and um, the people who do this are called school psychologists they are almost never actual psychologists they are um, and I'm probably about to piss off a lot of school psychologists, but they're basically overglorified test takers. You know, they don't study, they don't study um, psychology. They are not in any way qualified to do anything except score up the, you know, tally up the scores on these assessments. And um, as luck would have it, actually, um, when my son had to be reevaluated for when he went back to high school, um, the lady who, the, the lady, there's a lady who was filling in for the person who normally, you know, was the school psychologist. 
And uh, she was an actual psychologist. And she actually, she noticed, because I would provided her with like, binders and binders of, you know, previous assessments and, you know, what, what not from everybody. And she goes, oh, I, I know that doctor. Um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to call him and I'm going to see if he remembers um, your son. And so she called him up and uh, he says, oh yeah, yeah. I remember her. Um, I didn't tell her it was conduct disorder because I knew there was nothing she could do about it. So I gave him an autism spectrum diagnosis so that he could get services in school. Um, it was wrong on so many levels. I mean, first of all, if you were going to do that, could you give me a freaking clue, please? Because I looked like a batshit crazy mother when I kept insisting that my child had an autism spectrum disorder, right? Like I believed the doctor's diagnosis, but then I looked like the crazy person, right? Yeah. Um, and so that really sucked. But, you know, more to the point, like why, why wouldn't you just... You know, he just kept saying, just focus on the empathy, just co just focus on the empathy, which, you know, now I kind of like, okay, I understand that's why you were, you know, why you were saying that, but like, how terrible is that to just completely, you know, like to not even give a diagnosis because there's nothing that somebody can do about it. Well, maybe there is, maybe there is something that could be done about it. Maybe there's something and you don't know what that is, right? Like I could have tried to track it down. I could have, you know, tried different things, but, and instead we had a misdiagnosis for five years. Wherein I looked like a completely insane mother because I kept insisting what the doctor told me was true. Right. Um, and, uh, once, once I figured out that it was not that, right? Everything just kind of fell into place. It's like, oh, that's, that's what's going on here. Um, and then, like I said, he got arrested and um, he'd been, you know, the, the crime sprees, the, you know, the what have you. And um, so I lived at the time in the Bay Area. I'm still sort of Bay Area adjacent, but um, there was there's one county um, in the Bay Area, or well, I don't know, there might be more, but most of the counties in the Bay Area will not prosecute juveniles. My friend and his, my sorry, my my son and his friends uh, just had the great misfortune of going to one of the counties that actually does prosecute juveniles. So it was actually super lucky for me. Um, and for our family that this multi-county crime spree ended up landing him in a place that did prosecute and did arrest. Um, and I think it's it's really important to note here. Um, as I mentioned, my son and his friends were, you know, using guns to to rob people. And one of the places they did this was San Francisco. I think my son said they had robbed six different people in San Francisco. And he's sitting there in, you know, San Mateo County Jail or juvenile, not jail, but, you know, juvenile hall. And it's not like the, you know, the law enforcement officials in San Francisco don't know where he is. They knew about the crimes. He's a captive audience, right? It's not like they don't have, not like they can't find him, but they didn't do anything despite the fact that 
six people like six people that's not a mistake right like that's and that was before they left san francisco to go do other things you know go do things to other people but they didn't they didn't do anything because they don't prosecute juveniles which is like whoa um now that's one thing that i found um interesting in discussing this on tiktok is the number of people who do not believe that is true that there are places who decline to prosecute simply because they're juveniles Um, because i had talked about that the crimes multiple crimes against um our extended family you know not just the physical um assaults on me but also property theft all of these things and we're talking you know felony levels of theft um, and every time they declined to prosecute because they told me, well, it's a family problem. We might, you know, we might prosecute if she starts doing it to someone else who's not related to her, um, which I don't believe they would either. Um, So, but a lot of people don't believe that, that there are just jurisdictions that have a policy that they just don't really prosecute juveniles. Yeah. But it is that way in some places. It is. I mean, I would say it's probably, um, I mean, at least, okay. So obviously I'm in California, so maybe it's, you know, much more of a California thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, um, it's, it is very common practice to not prosecute juveniles, which is, I mean. Well, I'm in Oklahoma, which has one of the highest rates of incarceration so I was utterly shocked when I found that out, that that happens here too. So. Yeah, I had no idea how, either. How do you have the highest grade of incarceration and not do it to? I guess they just, I guess they just wait until they turn 18 when they can put them in actual prison and profit off their labor. I guess that's 100% plan. what it is. Um, because they certainly hand out uh, charges once they become adults, but apparently as yeah. juveniles, they're not interested in actually intervening and trying to help. Um, like they did tell me that if she was ever finally able to actually murder me, once I was dead, they promised they would prosecute. Which makes sense. <laughs> oh, that was thoughtful, right? That's Very. super helpful. Super duper helpful. Yeah. It actually makes me wonder, though, if the high rate of incarceration has, I'm just, I'm wondering, what I'm wondering is if you guys don't prosecute juveniles there and have the highest rate of incarceration, um, might a piece of that highest incarceration be the fact that they don't they wait until they're you know older i think it's got to be part of it because if we you know if we were doing interventions much earlier we might not have the same rate of crime happening once they're adults because i mean we all know once you know there's there there there's certain interve- therapeutic interventions and things that have to happen before that brain stops developing, because yeah. um, they're yeah. just not going to be effective after. 
I mean, you know, it's a little bit like finding out that a child has scoliosis and instead of putting them in a brace to correct it while they're growing, you go, eh, we'll deal with it when she's 25, right? Like, right. We'll just give them surgery when they're adults. It's fine. Exactly. Let them be in pain and then deal with it later. You know, we could give her braces and physical therapy, but why do that when we can just go in and surgically correct it? right and that that does seem to be the um common approach with psychopathy is we're just yeah pushing it down the road and ignoring it and we're refusing to label it and we're you know not going to diagnose it and then when they do you know the ones who actually do have criminal activity when they do things that are you know particularly shocking and heinous then we're like oh how did that happen? Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. And to be sure you never miss an upload, make sure you turn your notifications on. And please come join us on social media so we can continue these conversations in between episodes. You'll find us at Hypoxia Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok.